0: Hi everyone, my name is Crystal, and you are listening to Black Pilled, where we spill the unsettling truths about racism in medicine and healthcare. We have all heard of the constant struggle that Black women deal with today in medical spaces, such as the fact that Black women have higher pregnancy-related mortality rates than any other racial or ethnic group in the country, or that there is so much misinformation being taught in medical and nursing schools about Black bodies and their pain levels. Black women have been misused and mistreated time and time again in medicine. But is this all new? How has this mistreatment evolved over time and impacted the tropes and stereotypes that we see today? In this episode of Black Pilled, we are discovering history's use of black women's bodies in medicine and how this use has impacted the culture of medicine, healthcare, and society's view of black women today. <laughs> Firstly, let's look at the stories and struggles of enslaved Black women who were forced to provide free labor in healthcare settings and were forced to become the caregivers of their slave owners' children in plantations in the South and many other locations in the U.S. Enslaved Black women were forced to learn how to become a midwife or nurse from a very young age solely for the purpose of providing more ways and more enslaved people for their masters to make money off of. From as young as children these women were treating fellow enslaved people who were sick or needed a procedure they assisted white physicians when they came to plantation hospitals they delivered babies and after a federal ban in 1808 on importing slaves from other countries there was a really enhanced interest for keeping enslaved people already in the u.s healthy so they can reproduce and keep the system of slavery going because of their meticulous care Black women were depended on by white people for their ability as nurses and midwives for other enslaved people, though they obviously did not want to admit that there was a dependence. They did, however, begin to use these black women as caregivers, even in their own households. Enslaved black women would breastfeed their masters' babies and raise them through their childhood milestones, such as first words or taking the first step, just for the child to eventually grow up and dehumanize them and continue the cycle. So many of these black women were separated from their own families and their own newborns who needed their milk and care, as they continued these tasks and were ripped away from any type of motherhood that they could possibly have. As we stated before, not only were black women used, but so were young black girls. An example of this is Sylvia Channon, who was only a child when she was forced to become a nurse after she was brought by a slave owner. When she arrived onto her new owner's plantation, she was given a white baby and simply told to not drop him. Even while taking care of the baby, Shannon had to complete her other tasks in the house as she was a nurse to other slaves as well. Unlike today, nursing was not seen as a desirable profession, and caring for and cleaning up after sick and enslaved people was not a position that any white person wanted to be in. Because of the disdain for the position, enslaved people, especially women, were forced into it. Not only were their abilities important and needed, but they defined the idea of nursing at the time as a position of servitude. I also feel as if because this era established black women and girls in a position of a caregiver from a very young age, it also still haunts us to this day in the form of many different tropes, such as, which we will elaborate on later, adultification. Now, we are in 1894. A statue of James Marion Sims, the father of modern gynecology, is displayed in New York City. In April 2018, however, the statute was taken down due to intense public outcry. Now you may be thinking, why would so many people be so against praising someone who has contributed so much to medicine, especially women's reproductive medicine? As mentioned earlier, a federal ban in 1808 caused a heightened interest in reserving the health of enslaved Black women and perfecting reproduction practices in order to continue having enslaved people. From 1844 to 1849. James Marion Sims used this reality to his advantage. In order to study more about the women's reproductive system, Sims performed experiments on about 14 enslaved Black women in Alabama. He would even lease other Black women from other slave owners solely for the purpose of conducting these experiments. While performing this invasive research, the Black women obviously did not receive any compensation, but they didn't even receive any anesthesia either. Due to the knowledge and the fear of the repercussions that could come about to them or their families if they fainted or passed due to the pain of the experiments, as this could ruin the experiments and possibly even make Sims upset, they pushed through and dealt with the pain. It is through these experiments that Sims came up with the strategies and inventions such as the fistula surgery and the speculum, and it is also through these experiments that many medical stereotypes about the Black community came about, which we will discuss later. So why was James Marion Sims' statue ultimately removed from New York City? There is no doubt that his contribution to gynecology was impactful. However, the way he went about his research and experiments would never in a million years be allowed to be conducted today. His status as the father of modern gynecology and the new knowledge and strategies that he obtained were achieved by the exploitation of black bodies. After abolishing slavery, we all know that racism did not just magically dissolve away on its own, and unfortunately, neither did exploiting Black women's bodies. With the rise of the Jim Crow era and the strong implementation of segregation, racism had and still presently has a very strong hold in the U.S., including its medical and healthcare system. To dive deeper into the post-slavery era, let's take a look at Henrietta Lacks, a Black woman who had terminal cervical cancer in 1951. She was a very young mother of five who came into the John Hopkins Hospital with abnormal vaginal bleeding, but it was later discovered to be a large, reluctant tumor. Now, John Hopkins Hospital was one of the only leading hospitals in the country open to taking in black patients. However, the hospital was, not surprisingly, very segregated, and the segregation and bias was displayed in the everyday interactions that the physicians had with their patients and how they treated them. While receiving treatment, Lass's doctor, George Gay, took cells from Lax's cervix without her or her family's consent or even knowledge. While researching the cells, it was discovered that her cancer cells reciprocated and doubled every single day, something that was not seen before with previous cells used in research. After her passing at 31 from the cancer, the cancerous cells taken from her cervix, now dubbed as HeLa cells, had been used for decades in cancer research due to the fact that they are always growing and therefore can be studied. According to John Hopkins' article, The Legacy of Henrietta Lacks, her cells, quote, are used to study the effects of toxins, drugs, hormones, and viruses on the growth of cancer cells without experimenting on humans. They have been used to test the effects of radiation and poisons, to study the human genome, to learn more about how viruses work, and they played a crucial role in the development of the polio vaccine, end quote. According to NPR, quote, like guinea pigs and mice, Henrietta's cells have become the standard laboratory workhorse, end quote. However, as mentioned before, Lax was never aware of her body's contribution to medicine and research. Much of her identity and her name have even been erased from the definition of HeLa cells. Additionally, many people in her family did not even know she had cancer. With just the knowledge that her mother died early, her daughter started to grow fearful when she reached around the same age that her mother died, as she and the rest of her family were not aware what she died from. Many members lived in constant fear of their own health and future until they discovered the truth over 20 years after her death. Though Henrietta's cells are beneficial towards the advancement of medical research, ultimately, her exploitation and lack of autonomy over her own body drove this advancement, as the case for so many other Black women as well. While we have a discussion on the lack of autonomy that Black women had over their bodies, we cannot forget to bring in the topic of eugenics and its strong role in medical racism. According to Merriam-Webster, eugenics is, quote, the practice or advocacy of controlled selective breeding of human populations as by sterilization to improve the population's genetic composition, end quote. One can very clearly guess how eugenics can be a strong tool for racism in the US. One example of this is the forced sterilization of many black women in the US in the mid 1900s. In order to control the Black population, birth control shots, pills, as well as surgically taking away Black women's abilities to have children were forced onto them in many ways. For example, in the 1930s to the 1970s, a sterilization program in North Carolina that was specifically for weeding out the Black citizens in the state was conducted. In addition to the women there, the men and even the children were sterilized leading to a total of about 7,600 Black people who lost autonomy, complete autonomy, over their bodies and their bloodlines. This was not even seen to the public as distasteful or evil. In fact, North Carolina thought that they were doing a complete public service by weeding out the feeble-mindedness that they believe affected the Black community and could apparently somehow spread throughout the state. North Carolina is not the only culprit, and this disgusting reality doctors from many states would find ways to trick or rushingly convince black women to sterilize themselves or their daughters. For example, in 1973, the mother of the Ralph sisters was told by the doctor to sign a form that would authorize them to receive birth control shots. The mother signed the form, not knowing that it was actually authorization to sterilize her young daughters, as she could not read. In another case, a black woman was giving birth, and while in the midst of her distracting pain of her labor, she was rushed and pressured by her white doctor to sign off a surgery to sterilize her after the birth of her newborn. With all of this dishonesty and coercion happening to Black women and other members of the Black community, for example, the Tuskegee experiments, so many, understandably, developed a very strong distrust in medicine, healthcare, and research in the U.S. That distrust lives on to today. So after hearing these case studies and some of the history behind the role of black women in medicine, one may ask what was even the point? Was there any benefit at all to doing all of this? I mean, there was. For example, some resourceful strategies in gynecology were found by SIMS, and HeLa cells are extremely important in researching and engineering new medications, treatments, and more. However, a decent amount of harm has resulted from this disgusting history and it still lives on today. Firstly, the role of Black women as nurses and midwives during slavery plays into the whole mammy stereotype and trope that we see today. Have you ever heard someone discuss how they feel so comfortable and at ease when an older Black woman gives them a big hug or when they affectionately call them honey or baby? Though this comfort and ease is not inherently bad it does stem from the ingrained mammy trope that has been used for decades in slavery. Black women's role of the caregiver did not die out with slavery. It just transformed. Additionally, and this might be a stretch, I feel as if this role that Black women and girls had to play greatly impacted the adultification of young Black girls that we see today. Because they were told to take care of the children when they were still children, in white people's eyes, Black girls ages faster and they grow up faster than their white counterparts. You see black girls being punished in school at much higher rates than white women because, or I guess white girls, because black women are expected to just know better. We just, we should just inherently know better than every other white girl that we see. I personally remember in sixth grade, I had a racist teacher. I came into the class as the mom of my white friend group, but for the first time, I became friends with the other black girls who related more to me and they understood my sense of humor. I remember at the end of the school year, my white teacher pulled me to the side and stated, you've changed, Crystal. You went from a caring and lovely young lady who was so mature to someone I could not even imagine. And she, just, she said this because <laughs> I was talking to my friends and we were walking and I said, oh my gosh, the freaking sun is out. And she got mad because I said freaking. She told my African mother this too. So obviously it did not go very well in the car ride home. Um, but I've never understood why my teacher taught this way, or why she thought this way. I was always so nice and smiling to everyone that I met. I was never aggressive. Unlike the other kids, I never cursed. I guess maybe she thought the term freaking was cursing, but I never cursed. I never fought. I never even made a disgusted face at other people. I realize now that my teacher may have seen me in the light of that caregiver mammy role with the other white girls in my initial friend group. And was not a fan of me not playing out that favorable trope when i changed friends when may ask isn't this trope usually reserved for black women not girls yes but due to adultification i feel as if this idea and other tropes that are placed on black women such as the sexually promiscuous promiscuous jezebel for example is also placed on black girls because we apparently are supposed to act older we are seen as older ultimately the forced role of the caregiver changed the narrative for black women and girls in the US. Another huge harm that has been caused by this history is the role of medical stereotypes and misinformation being taught and implemented by doctors and researchers' work. Every year that black people have a higher pain tolerance than white people, I personally will never I will never understand how or why this myth is so widely believed, especially with the data and science that we have to prove that it is such a stupid and inherently racist assumption. Just as we mentioned earlier, this came about from Sims's experiments, and this belief opened the door for a plethora of unfortunate realities for Black women, such as being hushed and not listened to when giving birth. Many know about even Serena Williams having an incredibly hard time during childbirth. The poor star had a pulmonary embolism and knew something was off. When she demanded a CT scan, she was told it was not necessary. Once they actually gave in and listened, she was treated and essentially saved her own life by being so persistent. Even though she is a star and renowned by so many people, she is still a black woman. Therefore, the healthcare personnel treated her like one. And her pain wasn't that bad, so she could withstand it in their eyes. Also, y'all, this stereotype has been taught in medical and nursing school textbooks and their curriculums for years. It has just recently been dispelled and discouraged from teaching. That is so frustrating to think about. But anyways... Since this idea plays into the false narrative that Black people are inherently tougher and can withstand more pain, similarly to the adultification point that I made earlier, one may see us receiving harsher treatment when being punished in different scenarios. Because we are a strong Black woman. You know we don't cry, we don't feel pain, or we don't feel much emotion. This is one reason why I am not a fan of the whole strong Black woman slogan. Stop it. Stop calling me strong. Especially if you're going to use it so negatively. Just, ah! I do feel paid, and Lord knows that I will be crying. I will be crying when I feel it. Anyways, another impact that the history of Black women in research made in today's world is actually the role of Black women in today's research. After studying Henrietta Lacks' story and the history of eugenics in the United States, I see why it is so hard to recruit Black women in research projects, especially when they have to do with the reproductive system. There is a strong and extremely warranted lack of trust, And the fear of losing autonomy over one of the only things we can control, our bodies, is extremely justified considering the history of the United States. Additionally, these experiences lead to misinformation that is still prevalent today. I personally know people who are afraid of receiving the COVID vaccine or birth control pill because there is this fear that in people like us, they just make things worse. One patient might refuse birth control because it'll make her infertile like it did to her great aunt, when in reality, her great-aunt was tricked into being sterilized. Another person may be wary of the COVID vaccine, especially after hearing someone suggest to go test the vaccine on people in Africa. Is this another Tuskegee experiment? And I mean, these are completely justified fears, though it is upsetting and sometimes unfruitful to try and dispel these ideas from their heads because this is what medicine conditioned so many Black people in my community to think like. As someone who plans to go into healthcare and be a voice for not only the Black community, but other minorities as well, I understand the pain that this history has caused. The impact that it made on Black women specifically is absolutely insane and painful to think about, and it even brings me fear as a Black woman myself. Even as a student at the University of Pennsylvania, the knowledge of the hospital's use of Black bodies in research has been a painful discovery that, admittedly, has impacted my view of medicine and medical research. However, my only hope is that as a future Black female physician, I can use my voice and my knowledge to provide a voice for other minorities as well. And I can advocate for change that can reverse the damage done by the disgusting history of medicine and research in the US.